It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Provocative discussion, intelligence analysis, and fearless comment. The Breakfast Briefing with Julia Hartley-Brewer on Talk Radio. There's quite a lot of positive news lately. Vaccines, Moderna vaccine. One vaccine works, it makes it more likely. Other vaccines will work, makes it more likely. The other one's in development. The the first one, this Pfizer vaccine, pretty difficult to roll out. Minus 70 degrees uh, storage, but it looks like the Oxford vaccine, and um, which is very, very close to coming on uh, online, uh, probably sooner actually than the Moderna one in America. All, all looking much more easy to roll out. But a little bit of a dampener on all those hopes. This is not going to mean an end to the restrictions this winter. Even if it was rolled out to everybody, it's going to take months and months on end. Even just to the elderly, it's going to be uh, uh, not take all the way till Easter, um, apparently. Um, Put my 14-year-old in charge. We get that done a little bit quicker, I'm sure. But um, there's also a big question about what happens after December the 2nd, end of the lockdown rules. The laws actually governing those lockdown rules, they fall automatically. The question is, though, after what has been discussed by both the Health Secretary and indeed Public Health England's Director uh, Susan Hopkins at the press conference last night, question marks now over whether or not we're going to be going into something akin to not just tier three, but tier four, to all intents and purposes, a continuation of lockdown, but by some other name already allowed under the restrictions. Well, let's talk about all of this now with Bobby Friedman. He's a barrister and political commentator and he's joining me all morning. Good morning to you. Morning, Julia. Really lovely to speak to you. Um, I I do feel at the moment that we're sort of we get you know one step forward and then one step back, one step forward, one step back, and and we and we we get these sort of bits of hope like these vaccines, and then that that hope is dashed because fundamentally we need the vaccines for two things: one, we want fewer people to die; two, we'd like our lives back, please. Um, and the fewer people to die thing seems to be quite a long way away, and the lives back thing seems to be even further. Yes, it does. I, I guess the the really positive thing, though, is that at least we have an end in sight, because I think, a, you know, a month or two ago, when we were in the middle of the, the second wave and knowing that lockdown restrictions were coming, there was no plan and there was no real way of getting out of it. Whereas, at least with this, we know that, yes, I think that the next few months are going to be completely rubbish for, for pretty much everybody. And uh, but the hope is once we get to to Easter next year, naturally, uh, as the weather gets better, the virus will recede a bit and then we have the vaccine coming. So uh, so you hope if we remember the good days of summer where summer summer was actually quite nice this year, uh, even even in the circumstances, 
you think by the time we get to next winter, we should be prepared. That's the hope, isn't this, it? Well, this is the worry because this is this is no longer a medical or scientific uh, issue because we've not got anything approaching to unusual excess mortality in the country right now. We don't have our hospitals at collapsing point. The NHS is not full to capacity. ICU isn't. People are not dying, dropping like flags. We haven't got butterflies. We haven't got body bags in the street. Um, what we have is a nasty respiratory illness that is the dominant illness at the current time which we are obsessively testing for and therefore finding. Um, people aren't aren't dying of flu and pneumonia and other respiratory diseases. Well, they're dying with a positive COVID test. Even people who haven't got uh, any anything resembling a COVID symptom, if they get a positive test, count as a COVID death. If you look at the case numbers, these are sky high. Well, they again go to go up, they go down. I mean, suggesting big issues with the testing. Um, but but they they are not in any way being followed in any any sensible liable, you know likely way by the number of deaths. We are getting better at treating those who do have COVID, and an awful lot of those who are assessing positive for COVID don't actually have the illness uh, of COVID. And this is the issue for me: is that the end is never going to be in sight until the British people say enough is enough. We are not going to get hysterical because we have whether it's two hundred or 24, or whatever number of deaths it is on any given day from COVID. We're going to stop being hysterical about deaths from one particular cause and one infectious disease. And until the government realises that, that it's an unpopular move, when lockdowns become unpopular, when the people say no, then we'll stop having restrictions. While the population is still going, oh my goodness, we can't have a single person die of any disease ever, we're going to continue to be in lockdown forever. I absolutely think you're right that we need to adjust to the fact that there will be some people who die from it. And I think people originally were hoping and expecting that you would get a cure for this. And so in the same way that you, we don't have people dying of smallpox, we wouldn't have people dying of COVID. Unfortunately, it seems like in the future, it, w it will be like flu in that sense, that every year people will die of it. And we just, unfortunately, that's going to be part of our lives and who knows well, the, maybe when I'm a bit older I, I, you know that that's what but there are lots more up. treatments the, 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 your chances of coming out of a hospital alive after going in with a serious bout of Covid are, are hugely better than they were in the early stages I mean hugely better massively better but but and this is i do think it is an important point though is that is that a lot of people are dying and we are you know we aren't talking about one or two we are talking about hundreds every every single day and so i i do think we have to bear that in mind because what people are now being asked to do now we have a vaccine it is different because going into this lockdown there wasn't a plan now what we're, we're asking people to do and what everyone what all of us are being asked to do is to put our lives on hold for a finite period of time until the vaccine oh, kicks in and not... that is a very different ask no 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 that i think i think you're quite wrong because actually that again that that, that assumes a lot of people think oh really we'll get the vaccine sorted christmas day sorted look and then then you get the experts saying oh not not until the elderly you know, the elderly and the vulnerable are vaccinated until easter you you don't get the benefits of a vaccine and the stopping of infections spreading until you've got you know 90% or something of the population vaccinated um, many people are saying they won't get the vaccination, but even if they were willing to get it, that would take a much longer to roll out. How many? How you know? How many lives from COVID, as opposed to from all the other things? And we know that the excess deaths from lockdowns are far in excess of those from COVID. Where that's already proven all around the world, and particularly here in England, uh, we, we've got that data. It's very, very clear. There are more people right now dying in age brackets where they don't die of COVID of other things right now than there are dying of COVID. There is a 
there is an absolute clear measurable cost of younger healthier lives being lost to that by the lockdown than to covid at what point do we say enough is enough and we will put up with a certain number of of of, of deaths uh from this disease as we put up with deaths from flu from 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 uh, from people driving their cars and being in car accidents from from lots from alcohol from we put up with a you know, cigarettes we put up with a lot of deaths from a lot of different things and we go about our daily business at what point do we say enough is enough we will not give up our freedoms and our lives and our economy for the next god knows how many years to stop one person dying of covid but I think, unfortunately, Julia, it's just not that simple. It this is isn't, that simple. You don't, you, you, but you don't, because it is being presented as, as if we have two completely uh, opposed paths where you either go back to an entire normal life or you're completely locked down. I think most people actually probably accept that we have to be somewhere in the middle. I, I think it's much better when people complain, oh, this lockdown doesn't feel like a lockdown. That's on purpose. That's a good thing because people are much less isolated during this lockdown than they were last time. So hopefully that will... Well, where is, the, where is this happy that, middle, that though? I mean, I'm quite happy to not shake hands and, and you know, the, the old, you know, more, 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 more when you meet people. I'm, I'm quite happy to do that anyway. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's fine. And, and, you know, a bit less hugging with random random people and there's a bit of social distancing in an office. I can I can live with that, but but not, not the masks. I'm not sure how much longer I'm going to be willing to put up with the masks without... Without some what, really clear, me- I'm going. To, what's wrong with the mask? The fact that you can't you can't smile at anyone. You've got so little social interaction. You can't hear what people are saying. They can't hear you. I I, I mean, children wearing masks, I think, is morally obscene. Um, I feel like we are in some sort of horrific dystopian sci-fi movie now. Um, there is. I, I wear my mask. I wear my mask every time I'm required to do it in the building, in the supermarket, um, on public transport, in the cabs, or do all that. No issue. That's the rule. That's the law. I do it. However, there is. Still not one single piece of clear evidence that when everyone is wearing masks, we see lower transmission. All of the countries that brought in uh, mandatory mask wearing, there is not even the tiniest change in their transmission in any direction in terms of their infection rates um, or their death rates. There is there is very, very, very little evidence. It would seem to me it would be obvious that it would make a difference. However, there is very little scientific and medical real-world empirical evidence that it does make a difference. And I'm not sure we should be, if we're following the science, be masking up our, our faces when we are social beings and we need that level of social interaction in our lives. Well, just a couple of things on that. One is that you mentioned before about uh, the fact that fewer people are dying. And, and one of the things that wearing a mask does is that it means that if you do come into contact with someone... You are. You get this a lower the viral th- No, load. this is a theory. But, this is not. But, no, but no, the other point, no, no. There have been let, trials, and they've not shown that. Well, let me just say one other thing, Julia, which is that this is such a small invasion on our on our lives. I fully accept when you be, when you're talking about lockdowns, when you're talking about people's businesses being closed down. That is, that these are things that have immense impacts. And, and just, just as I think you can't diminish the impact of having the virus being spread uh, without any restrictions on it effectively, so you can't, you can't ignore the, the massive, massive downsides of, of, of a lockdown. That's absolutely right. But then compare that to, uh, to wearing a mask, which is, yeah, it's a pain. It's annoying. But it's not more than that. It's, it's no, no, I said, it's never, I've never understood why people think it's a hill to die on. Absolutely not. I'm, I'm just saying... 
saying that I, I would like some evidence that there is, a, there, is a, there is a massive, massive big study that The Lancet and others have all approved, refused to actually start, um, republish. And I, I, my guess is, and I, I bet I'm going to be proved right, is that it is because this study shows that there's actually no marked effect. There has been no change in the infection rate in any country where they have brought in mandatory masks, which one would expect if they had such a big effect. If their effect is virtually zero... We should we should get rid of them. That that's what I'm saying. I'd want to know the effect. I'm happy to wear one while we're not sure, but I I think by now there should be some clear evidence it works. Let's talk about something completely different though. Let's talk about the Prime Minister last night. Uh, on while he's self isolating along with eleven other MPs. For some reason, not using rapid testing to find out whether he's positive or not. I mean, genuinely insane, if you ask me, having a silly policy like that. But he made a, a Zoom call with various northern MPs in his party where he uh, said devolution is a disaster. He said it was Blair's biggest mistake. Um, the SNP's leader, Nicola Sturgeon and others, have understandably leapt on this. Downing Street backtracking, saying, no, no, what he meant was it was the way it's been capitalised on by the SNP. But... Um, it's going to be difficult to row back on that one, isn't it? Yes, how to make the Conservative Party even less popular in Scotland. <laughs> I mean, if that was possible. <laughs> they come up with a list of what, what can we say now? I mean, he, he, he is right in the sense that there's, it's, there's a, theory, a theory of history, if I'm going to get all academic on you, which I don't normally do because I'm not very clever. But there is a <laughs> yeah, theory yeah. in history, which is that if you, as soon as you give people something... Uh, when you give a little bit of political reform, it doesn't actually ever stop uh, the calls for, for more of it. It, uh, it. it, in fact, just accelerates the pace. So that's what we've seen with dev devolution, that obviously you, uh, Blair brings it in. Then it's only natural, actually, that there's a party who, who exploit it. We then had in the Scottish referendum the giving of, of yet further powers to Scotland. And, of course, this is all in stark relief because in COVID, uh, the, the Westminster government has had so little control over the response in Scotland. Uh, and so I actually think that on an objective analysis, Boris Johnson is right because it's divided the country. Um, the SNP, who are actually doing a terrible job yeah. uh, running, for example, the Scottish Health Service, um, and who are these awful dem demagogues just saying anything based on, on, on sort of pure base nationalism, uh, are now in charge. So, yes, devolution has been a disaster. But I'm not sure politically it was a very good thing to say. The Breakfast Briefing with Julia Hartley Brewer on Talk Radio. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.